All right, Avalanche fans, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening. Thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And a good amount to get to today. We are going to do part two of the look back at the 1995-96 season. Uh, And today we will be looking solely at the regular season, some of the highlights uh, and even maybe a low light or two of the the uh, regular season of that Stanley Cup 95-96 season. Uh, I'm not really going to get full into free agency yet because we really don't know if you know what's going on with the season. But there was one angle of it I wanted to maybe discuss um, and kind of because I don't feel like this is position is talked about enough with the avalanche. So we'll get into that. I'll explain everything. Uh, and I figured while we are all on this hiatus from life, not just sports, I know there's a lot of uh, streaming and, and, and movie watching and television watching. I figured at the end of every episode, I would just throw out a movie or a series that I enjoyed uh, that I would divulge upon the masses. Uh, maybe it's something, if you need something to watch, maybe I can help with that. I did, I put this particular one on Twitter. So if you follow me on Twitter, uh, it, it's on there now. Um, but we'll get to that at the end. First things first, like we always do, follow the show on social media Twitter, L O P N underscore Avalanche, Instagram, Locked on Avalanche. Although I haven't really done much with the Instagram page lately, just because there's not a lot of heck of a lot going on. Uh, but I will update that if I can, if we can get some positive news going, maybe. And send your questions, comments, concerns, opinions. If you want to do the Fandom Friday segment, which I, again, am hoping is coming back this Friday. I have somebody lined up, hopefully. Um, if you want to be on that or just want to speak your mind, send anything to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. So we'll do the the free agency thing first, and and I, the abs. It's going to be, we say this every year. It's going to be interesting to see what the Avalanche do in free agency, and I I will do shows in the future, kind of uh, honing in on specific players, specific positions, uh, what the Avalanche might be looking for. Uh, I did a show a couple weeks ago about, you know, what they might possibly give up on their current roster uh, once this season is officially over. But I I was kind of just looking at who are the kind of like the big gets for free agency this year. And you get, you know, the normal names that you have been hearing about uh, that would go into this offseason whenever that may be. But the 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 thing that I kind of thought about was what is the one position on the Avalanche that is that is not a hundred percent shored up, and not to say that it's not awful, but you could upgrade at it. I don't think it's the defense because the defense is looking very solid with what they have and what is yet to come, which could be right around the corner. I don't think it's the forwards because I think, you know, your your top line and 
uh, your Burkowski's and Nachuskins that are, are pulling their own weight um, and Belmars that are pulling their own weight, I think you're okay in the forward department. I think if you can shore up a goalie in free agency, you will bump up your team. I don't know how much the Avalanche are talking about really going after a goalie, but I think it's the smart thing to do. Are we really completely sold on our current goalie situation? Are we 100% sold on Grubauer and Francois? Francois played out of his mind this season and is deserving of that contract, albeit a small one. But is he someone that you can rely on game in and game out? I'm not saying he can't be. It's just that's unproven. And is Grubauer that guy? Again, he's really unproven. They have their moments. They have their spurts where they do very well. And they have their spurts where you just go on any message board or social media and it's like, you know, they they, they want to riot and, and expel him from Denver. Either one of them. So... I think because of that, I think if you go after a one of the higher-end goalies that are available, I think that would be a smart thing to do for Colorado. And again, I really haven't – I don't they, – they haven't really said much because technically the season's not over yet. So we don't really know which direction they're going to go in. You don't just get a feel of what they're going – who they're who they're looking at. Maybe not even player, but more position. And I think if you go, I mean, I just have a list in front of me of the goalies that are available. And do you go after any of these guys? Number one on the list is always Brandon Holtby for guys that are uh, available. I don't think he signed anything uh, before I'm looking at this list. I'm pretty sure this is pretty up to date. So I don't think he signed anything. Do you go after him? He will command a lot of money. Uh, uh, Corey Crawford is on this list, but I don't think you go after, go after Crawford simply because of his age. I'm not being ageist. I just think the Avalanche are a young team and they want to stay young. And Holtby is at that. He, Holtby is 30. I don't know when his birthday is, so I don't know if his, you know, he, whatever. He'll be 30 or 31. That's even pushing it a little bit. Uh, but if you get him for the right price, you bring in him. I don't know what the right price is for him. Uh, it's probably going to be Six, seven million? I don't know. Is he going to demand higher? Who knows? I think a guy that they could go after is Robert Leonard. Or Robin Leonard, excuse me. He traded right at the deadline uh, with to Vegas. I mean, do they attempt to sign him? Sure, I'm sure You know, they will attempt to sign him. Chicago might try to sign him back. I think he would be a good fit for... The Colorado Avalanche. He's got an attitude. Who's that remind you of? Patrick Waugh. Uh, he, he has an edge about him. He's young. He's 28 years old. Uh, I think Robin Leonard would be a very good fit for the Colorado Avalanche. And I think that would shore up their goalie situation. Uh, again, I don't know what you do. do you, here's the other thing. Do you put this off a year? Do you put this off a year because you have the the expansion draft coming up. You've signed Francois for two years. You have Grubauer for next year. 
and then what to do with the goalie situation when you have to give up one of them. And based on you give both of these guys one more opportunity to play out a season, see if somebody can win it. If somebody really outplays the other, either give them the position or if it's a redo of this past year where both were solid at times and not solid at others, do you then make the decision and then next year you go after a free agent goalie? Because I don't know, would, would it be even make sense to get a free agent goalie this year because you know that's coming, the the expansion draft? If you sign Robert Leonard, you have to, you're, I mean, are you going to get rid of Grubauer, just release him? You gave Francois that two-year deal, you get him at a much cheaper rate than Grubauer. So going to Leonard, you'd probably be spending, I think Grubauer is making $3.333333 million per year. Leonard is probably going to want maybe double that. So maybe an extra $3 million on top of that. Is that worth it to do it? And then you would pretty much have to be giving up Francois for the expansion draft. All things that need to be considered. Um, below that, Craig Anderson's available. I'm not going after him. Jimmy Howard is available. I'm not going after him. Matt Murray. Maybe Markstrom. Maybe that's a stretch. Um, but below that, I'm really not going after any of those guys. But do you wait? Because I haven't even looked at what would what the free agents are for following season. The 2021-2022 season. I haven't gone that far. I'm just looking at this offseason. I think it's an interesting debate to have, um, and would it be worth it for the Avs to bring in a goalie that they know they can hang their hat on and say, this is our number one guy. I think they tried to do it with Grubauer, and I think the jury is still out on if he is that guy. So do you go after someone that you know will be that guy? I, I say do it, but I would be okay if they didn't do it this coming off season and wanted to to do what they did and give Grubauer and Francois another go at it. I would be okay with that too. Uh, but I think eventually if, if you get a repeat next year of what happened this year, I think you have to, to say, all right, every other aspect in the game, we are solid. We need to be solid in the goaltending too. So let's go find our guy. I love this stuff. I love the maneuvering. So we'll see where it all goes. All right, so if you follow the Colorado Avalanche, and why wouldn't you? If you're listening to the show, you know that now a third player has tested positive for the coronavirus. And just like the other two, we don't know the name, and we don't need to know the name. It is not important. Uh, What is important is this player has tested positive, and they are self-isolating and hopefully getting better. This brings up a whole bunch of questions, some which, you know, are, are, again, not of the greatest importance, some of just we kind of want to know what's going on, if the health of the player is okay, uh, and things just we would ask about anybody if, like, a family member got it. The statement that came out from the NHL says the Colorado Avalanche were advised this morning that a third player has tested positive for COVID-19. The player is in self-isolation and has not had close contact with any other Avalanche players or staff members. I think the main thing that people want to know is, did where did this player contract it from? Because you know players are are we don't know who they're hanging around. You know 
this player could have contracted it from one of the other two players or or could have just contracted it because he's a human being and he's going out to the grocery store to get groceries for his house or apartment just like anybody else is. So it could have come from anywhere. And the way that this virus works is sometimes your symptoms don't show for 10 days or 14 days. So he very well could have got it from the second player on the avalanche who got it. And his symptoms didn't show up until right now. Uh, He could have got it from a family member. He could have got it from pumping gas and held the gas handle of someone who had it. Like the, the thing it's endless, the amount of scenarios you can come up with and how this person got it. But it's just so odd and and just you have so many questions because this seems to be hitting the Ottawa Senators, Senators and the Colorado Avalanche. And we're not hearing of, of any other team that's getting it. So I think because the, there's basically two teams that have players that are getting it, I think just the the consensus or just the thought is they must be get they must be passing it on to each other. And we don't know that. We don't know that because a lot of these players have gone home. Um, And it says the Colorado Avalanche were advised this morning that a third member has tested positive. We don't know if this is a player that had gone home. We don't know if this is a player that lives in Denver. We don't know anything. Um, But I think the, the more that this happens, and it seems like they're spread out when players are getting it. It's not every day or every couple days we're hearing of another player that's contracting it. And I, and that, that is worrisome in the fact of the NHL is not going to hold a season. If they know a player uh, is, is positive at the moment. And if a player is positive, you are pushing it back out another minimum two weeks. If that player gets healthy, you have the entire world dealing with this and nothing is going to happen in the month of April. I think they're going to revisit things in the month of uh, May. But if you have one player that's positive, you can't start a season. Doesn't matter what team that, uh, what player that team, what player that, what team that player plays for. There we go. It doesn't matter. You have one guy that's positive, and just like that, we've seen how fast this thing can spread. So you you have to hold the season off. I think. Any NHL player that has it will will show their symptoms and should get over their symptoms, and that should fall in line with the rest of the country. It's not, you know, uh, an NHL player that has it um, is not going to be, you know, the last person on on the planet to have it, and the NHL will be the only sport that is going to be pushed back because an NHL player has it. I think everybody doesn't matter if you're a regular civilian that works a nine to five, or if you're an athlete, I think everybody should be around the same time. It should all go away. Everybody together, but it's going to be a long time before that happens. So each time a player gets this, you're just prolonging when the season could possibly start. And this is the latest one. The uh, third avalanche player gets it and, now, now we just have to play the waiting game yet again. And I think this is just another hit to um, any season possibly starting, in my opinion. So I, I don't know. The, the more this stuff happens, the more we see the numbers 
Although the, the NHL numbers have been relatively low in terms of players who have tested positive, uh, just that one person who has it can really push back everything. And I'm really surprised that there, we haven't heard. In the beginning, we were hearing a lot of athletes, a lot of basketball players, baseball players, really kind of leveled off across all sports, which is good. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just upsetting to hear another player has it, doubly upsetting to hear it's an avalanche player. Hope they're okay. And it's all you really can do. All right, so let's cover this regular season of the 1995-1996 season of the Colorado Avalanche that, of course, ended in a Stanley Cup championship. We'll cover the playoffs in its entirety on Friday's show. And today, it's going to be about the regular season. And the regular season, it was a, a very solid regular season for the Avs, as it was anticipated. Their their season that they had prior their last season in Quebec they were a very good team so Colorado was inheriting an already solid sound team and they delivered 47 25 and 10 they for 104 points that was first place in the Pacific but it was second overall in the Western Conference because Detroit was a team possessed that season um I'll get to their record in a second but avalanche 104 points nothing to sneeze at uh very good but i think the detroit red wings were like 131 132 points they lost 14 games the entire season they were a juggernaut that year so yes the avs were a favorite but i think they might have slid under the radar a little bit because everybody was looking at detroit um and oddly enough, that's how the season started was Colorado and Detroit. And Colorado won. Colorado beat them 3-2. to two. And when you only lose 14 games for the entire season, as Detroit did, that was a big deal. But the, the right after that, the season took a little while for the Avs to get going. Uh, the next five games, they won once. Uh, and they had a tie. That one game that they won was against Boston, a 3-1 to one win, but they lost to the Kings. They tied against Pittsburgh, a 6-6 to six tie. Uh, they lost to Washington, and then they lost to St. Louis. So they got off to a, a pretty rough start overall. And then they had three days off and went on a run. Uh, they Over the next 10 games, they let's see they got one two three four five six seven eight nine victories and a tie over their next 10 games so they really just took them a, a couple games to to get in the flow which is normal so once they got in that flow and it's good that they did their, did that early on uh they took off and it kind of culminated with a not culminated but you knew things were kind of going special for this team. A 12-2 thumping of San Jose. Um, and, you know, you, you go, you just go through their, their games and it's just, a, you know, there's a 12-goal win, seven goals, five goals, uh, another five goals, uh, seven goals. Like, they were... An offensive juggernaut. They they 326 goals 
was second in the league. And as much as we're talking about Detroit and them being the juggernaut that they were, uh, Colorado scored one more goal in the season than Detroit did. So 325 for Detroit. So um, offensively, Avalanche could hang with anybody. And everything kind of revolved around the trade. And after that game uh, against San Jose, where they won 12 to 2, I have the stats for that game. Uh, what do we got here? So that was a four point game for Peter Forsberg, a four point game for Kamensky, a three point game for Deadmarsh, two point game for Foot, a four point game for Joe Sackick, a three point game for Scott Young. It was just like, man. <laughs> Uh, filling up the stat sheet in that game was, I, I wish I could go back and watch that. I tried to find some highlights of it, but uh, I don't know. I just, you don't get the blowouts like that uh, all the time. So when you, you get them, you like, you, you bask in them. Um, oh, hang on. Let me shut this off here. Um, so, but getting back to what happened right after that, the next day is when the trade went down and by the trade, it's Patrick Waugh coming in. And this team was good. This team was good prior to that trade. And we all know what happened with the, the Patrick Waugh issue in Montreal when he went up against Detroit. And they thumped him for nine goals before he was pulled and basically said, I'm done. I will never play another game for you. And he didn't. He was traded to Colorado. The very next day he played and lost. To Edmonton, and uh, I, I, you know, you can't really fault him for that. It was, a, it was, a, you know, a, a huge trade. Uh, he just getting his bearings. I don't think you were going to expect miracles from him. But a couple days later, he goes out and beats Ottawa seven to three, or they go out and beat Ottawa seven to three, and f- they did struggle. They had a, a kind of like a mid-season up and down they won some they lost some they tied a bunch uh and then they hit the all-star break and after that they they were one of the more solid teams in the league but the interesting thing about uh towards the end of the year uh the team that rocked wall as why is the reason why he left montreal came back and thumped him again uh colorado lost to detroit seven to nothing Luckily, he was pulled after he gave up five goals um, and didn't threaten the Avalanche or I'll never play for your team again either. Uh, I think Colorado was smart enough to pull him and knew that wasn't his day. But think about that going into a playoff where you know you're probably going to have to face them, and they did. You have a goaltender that got crushed by them on two separate occasions, two separate occasions on two different teams. Any other goalie, you would question their mentality. But I don't think you question Patrick Waugh's mentality. Um, and going into the playoffs, which, like I said, we'll get to on Friday, um, I think even though he had been through those two games, you're still pretty comfortable with uh, what what he can do in a playoff setting. So it was uh, a, a, a season – I mean – yeah, 104 points. Like I said, that that's that's a, a good season. Uh, 
they were a high-scoring team. And I think when they got Wah, I think things really shored up for them. And oddly enough, that's kind of why I was thinking about the goalie situation in the first segment of the show is because I think you want that. I think you can you want to hang your head on like the Avalanche could. They knew they could score. And they could score pretty much at will if they wanted to. If they really wanted to turn it on and impose their will, they could do that. And they could do that because they knew they had someone on the back end like Patrick Waugh that was always going to have their back. And I just feel like that's what the team of today needs. Um, as far as stats go, um, I mentioned the stats a little bit um, on the uh, the show on Monday. So Joe Sackick led this team with 120 points, but Peter Forsberg was only four points behind him with 116 points. But when you look at Peter Forsberg's game logs over the course of the season, there's some things that jump out at you. Uh, First of all, he had, I'm trying to find it here. He had a run of seven games. It was a seven game stretch where he scored 22 points. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, it, it started against... Whoop, I hit a link here by accident. Let me go back. It started in... Well, he, had, he didn't score against Montreal. No, I'm lying against... He didn't score against Tampa Bay. Where is it? Okay, all right. All right, so I was wrong. So it's it's over it's over the course of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You can bring it up to eleven. Okay, so over the course of eleven games, it started against Florida with a one point game, and then he followed that up with a five point game, which included a hat trick. The very next game, another five point game, two five point games in a row. Then a one-point game, a one, a one, two, a two. Then he didn't score against San Jose. And then a one-point game, and then a four-point game. So you add that up. That's four, it's one, it's five, seven, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Two five-point games, 22. That's 23 points over the course of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven games. You know that that's that's just a run that's that that'll get you a championship. That's a championship caliber player on a cha- championship caliber team. Um, just a a, a a fantastic season by him, and I think it maybe was a little overshadowed a little bit by uh, Joe Sakic when he did. When we look at Joe Sakic's numbers, he was just consistent from top to bottom. Um, as far as hat tricks go, this team had eight hat tricks. Uh, Claude Lemieux, who also came to the team like three days before the season started, they got him in a trade. So, you know, that kind of brought the muscle. Um, and he was the very first player to score a hat trick on the team. Kamensky had two. Lemieux had two. Forsberg had two. Forsberg had three. For Forsberg had three hat tricks that year. And Joe Sackick had the one. Um, they gave up the most shorthanded goals on the season, but also scored the most shorthanded goals on the season. And that just kind of goes to in line with, uh, their offensive minded mentality. 
they were okay. They took chances on the power play. And if they gave up something, it's fine. We'll get it back. Um, it was a, it was a special season. It, it, like they were, like I said, they were pretty dominant as far as the, um, standings go. Yeah, the 104 points was was far and away the best in the Pacific. Calgary and Vancouver made the playoffs, and they both had 79. Uh, so that was in the Pacific. In the Western, Detroit with 131 points, 62, 13. I said 14 losses, only 13 losses and seven ties. Uh, incredible season. The Blackhawks were up there with 94 points in the season. Maple Leafs made it. This is when the Maple Leafs played on the West Coast. Uh, with 80 points, St. Louis with 80, and then, like I said, Calgary and Vancouver, and Winnipeg even made in with 78. So this was, you could throw the Blackhawks in there. This was a Detroit-Colorado avalanche kind of, you know, two, I guess, juggernauts kind of eventually going to collide. Um, And things got a little dicey in the opening round of the playoffs for the avalanche. And that is something we will cover on the next show. So stay tuned for that. But like I said, I wanted to kind of throw out if anybody is home quarantining themselves, need something to watch. Uh, I'm not just going to just do Netflix things, but I'll probably lean towards Netflix because I know that's what a lot of people have. If you like zombie movies, watch Cargo. Uh, it's one of the most gut-wrenching and heart-grabbing zombie movies I've ever seen in my life and it doesn't get enough notoriety it's a Netflix original movie uh, absolutely go check it out it it will it will if you especially if you have kids <laughs> if you it, and don't worry nothing bad happens to the kids but uh, if you have kids it's it's an added feature of man this is just I really hope a zombie apocalypse does not happen so uh, that'll be my recommendation for today's show cargo on netflix and that'll be it for today ladies and gentlemen tune in on friday we'll probably have the fandom friday segment back hopefully and we will talk about the playoff run that the avalanche went on that ended in a stanley cup victory in the 1995-96 season so enjoy the day we'll see you guys friday here's joby go abs go